Today we're going to continue on in the hindrances of prayer, and Lord willing, we're going to um, bring it to conclusion. But the last ones that we are studying is about... You know, we started with unforgiveness, and we're going to go back to that unforgiveness heart, as well as doubt and and disbelief, okay, or unbelief, I should say, as well as discord in the home. Okay, so there are uh, hindrances uh, to effective praying, which involve those, you know, living that way. Okay, in other words, not forgiving someone, living with doubt, living with uh, unbelief, and, and not really knowing who God's character is and saying who He says He is, and then as well as as well as um, discord in the home, because we're going to find out how you know Peter it says you know there is going to be um, the Lord won't answer your prayer with the husband if the husband isn't walking uprightly. In the Lord, okay, and treating his wife as such, and so we're going to uh, go through that and see how um, how God wonderfully, you know, says, okay, this is how it is. Now walk ye in it, okay? Don't do this. Do this, and the blessings will fall, okay? Because that's all about obedience with Him. So let's look into Matthew 18, okay? I want you to open up to Matthew 18, 23, uh, starting at verse 23. When when we have a spirit of unforgiveness, okay? A spirit of unforgiveness towards others. When we refuse to forgive others, what happens? A root of bitterness grows up, right? A root of bitterness grows up, and now we live in the bondage of bitterness instead of in the freedom of forgiveness, right? Okay, and so what happens is, is that a root of bitterness is growing up, and what happens is, is it's choking it's growing up in our heart, but it's choking our prayer life. Okay? It's choking our prayer life. Okay? And so how can we expect God to pour out his blessings, to pour out, you know, his answers, to pour this out uh, on, you know, undeserving sinners, as we are, when we're holding something against another person? Because we are just as undeserving as the next person. Correct? Okay, we are undeserving sinners that he wonderfully, right, but God demonstrated for this, right, while we were still sinners, what, Christ, what? Died, Died for us, Romans 5, 8. And so, and so what happens is, is that if we harbor hatred and bitterness towards others, the Lord says, well, you know what, let's take a look at that. Let's, let's take a look at that. And he used a parable. What's a parable mean? An earthly story with a what? Heavenly meaning. Excellent. With a heavenly meaning. Okay? And so he, he shows us this principle in the parable of the unforgiving servant. Okay? In Matthew 18, 23 through... You know what? I better read this. 18, 23 through 35. Okay? So I want you to hold on to this because you're going to see how, how Jesus is saying, Okay, guys, if that's how you're walking, then this is how, this is how it's going to be. Okay? 18, 23. 1 through 35, parable of the unmerciful servant. All right. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus says, what? I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees, begged before him... 
Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from what? From your heart. Unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Okay? This is red letter edition. This is Jesus speaking, right? He's saying, this is how this works and this is how we are to walk in it. Okay? And so, I want you to back up with me for a minute because I want you to see how this unforgiving spirit will will stand in the way of your relationship with Father God in your effective praying. Okay? Because he starts out in verse 23, he says, um, you know, he says, this is like the kingdom of heaven, okay? And he wanted to settle up the account with his servants, okay? So the king in this parable is, is, is expecting that his servants are to be faithful because his servants are working for him, Right? He's expecting that. He's, you know, I'm expecting that you're going to be faithful because you're working for me, all right? And he wanted to make sure they were honorable in the way that they were conducting their business. And so one day he examined their work, as he should be, as a good king, right? He examined their work, and then he wanted to settle the accounts with them, all right? So one guy owed him what? Big money. Right? Okay, 10,000 talents. Do you know what that is? Commentators said that 10,000 talents are anywhere between 12 million nowadays and 1 billion. They couldn't, like, put it down, but they could say it was huge money. Okay? This wasn't like, oh, I borrowed $100 from my sister, I'm going to pay it back. That's not what it's about. Okay? This guy owns huge, huge money. Okay? It clearly represents an unpayable debt. Right? This is the key to this story. It's an unpayable debt. No matter what this guy could do, he could not pay back between 12 million and 1 billion or 10,000 talents, okay? So you go forward to verses 25 and 27, and you see that the master forgives that debt, right? The king forgives that debt, all right? And so his master commanded that everything would be sold, right? That this would all be sold, and... Because the guy was obviously not able to pay. So you need to sell this uh, because he's the debtor, as well as the family, as well as all he had. And even if he did that, it would not satisfy the debt. Because it's an unpayable debt. All right, so it won't satisfy the debt. Okay, I mean, the top price that he could get, okay, would be a a talent each for each of those. And that's the top price going back then. Is that going to pay back what he owes? No, it's not, okay? So 
But the master is asking, is, is saying, this is what we're going to do because at least it will bring some measure of justice. Right? It will bring at least some measure of justice. Okay, so that's what he does. And what does, what does the slave or the servant say? Master, what? Well, no, he said patience. He said, have patience with me. Okay? He should have said, have mercy with me, right, Barb? He said, have patience with me. Okay, I will pay you all. Okay, do you see? Right now, the disciples must be giggling as he's telling this parable. Because they know there's no chance that they could pay this back. Okay? So, so the promise of, of this from the servant makes no sense at all. Okay, give me enough time, be patient with me, be long-suffering with me, give me enough time, I'll be able to pay you back that billion bucks. Okay? And, and so, even if there was enough time, okay, he could never pay back that massive debt. So, my takeaway as I kept studying this is that many of us, Right? As, as these poor, wretched sinners that we are, okay? Many of us are really rich in resolutions. Aren't we? Right? New Year's resolution, right? How many people are still at the Y? I mean, right? I mean, that's what happens, right? We're really rich in those resolutions, okay? And, and the servant debtor thought all he needed was patience, right? All he needed was patience. But he needed forgiveness. He didn't need patience from the guy. He needed forgiveness from the guy, from his master. Okay, that's what he needed. Okay, and it's you know so true when we're caught between a rock and a hard place, which this guy obviously was, right? He was caught between a rock and a hard place. What, what do you do? Do you try to humanly rationalize out of it? Well, you know, if I just have the patience, well, if he just gives me this and that, or, or do you beg for mercy? Do you absolutely say, you know what, oh, God, Forgive me. Forgive me. This is an unpayable debt that I couldn't possibly pay. But through you, oh, forgive me. Right? So, the master of the servant was moved to compassion, it says. Right? That's what we read. He was moved to compassion. And he released him and he forgave him all the debt. Right? He said, okay, great. Okay? So, the master showed what Barb said. Mercy. What does mercy mean, Barb? That's grace. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Excellent, excellent. Always think about the speeding ticket, right? Where you should get the speeding ticket because you're speeding, but then you don't get what you deserve. That's mercy, okay? So, because he deserved to get that, didn't he? But he didn't get what he deserved, okay? And so, um, the master showed him mercy, prompted by compassion, right? Forgiving a debt that obviously could never be repaid, despite whatever promises the servant made, okay? All right, there is the end of that story. Now, verses 28 through 30, we zip to the forgiven servant, the one who's just been forgiven. What does he do? He refuses to forgive. He refuses to forgive. The very one who is forgiven, okay, refuses to forgive, okay? And so one of his fellow servants now owns, owes this servant who's just been forgiven a hundred denarii, okay? Okay, so, 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 don't you love how that happens? It's like, okay, you're just forgiven, and then now that very same thing comes along. What are you going to do with that, right? What are you going to do with that decision? 
right? No matter what it is. It's like, am I going to have compassion like Christ had on me, or am I going to be like this master, next servant, right? And he, he found out that the one who owed him this money, okay, and he went and found him, and immediately upon meeting him, what did he do with this guy? He choked him. He grabbed him by the neck, okay, and he demanded payment. Okay, just fully forgiven, something he could not have paid back, all right, even though he said, you know, be patient, could not have. The guy totally had compassion on him, has his family back, has the, you know, the whole debt is canceled, and he goes out and grabs the other guy by the neck, okay? Now, the debt was real that the guy owed him, okay? The debt was real. It was 100 denarii, and that's equal to about 100 days wages back then, okay? So that's a long that's a long time. It's a big amount of money, okay? So it's not an insignificant amount, is it, that he owes? Okay, however, it was almost nothing compared to the debt that he owed the master, right? I mean, he owed the master an, an absolutely unpayable debt, okay? And when I was figuring this out, it was actually one six hundred thousandth, one over six hundred thousandth, of the debt owed to the master by the first servant. And meanwhile, he's going up to him, grabbing him by his neck and choking him. Okay? So, he takes him by the throat, all right? And, and that means that he's half choking the person, okay? Seizing his throat. And Spurgeon, uh, I looked up his uh, message on this. He says, the debt was very, very small, but the claim was urged with intense ferocity. Our little claims against our fellow men are too apt to be pressed upon them with unsparing severity. Right? All of a sudden, you did this to me, you're going to pay. Right? I mean, oh, I'm so thankful I'm forgiven. I'm so thankful this, this. But then you come along and do something with me, and then we turn around and are vindictive, are full of revenge. And you know what? Revenge is natural to us. Very natural. In our flesh, Revenge is very, very natural to us. In fact, you know, as you're growing up in Christ, in that sanctification walk, you're growing up, you will, can, you know, still, till we see him face to face, you'll have to say, Lord, you know, let me see him through your eyes. Let me see that person through your eyes. Let me see them through your compassionate eyes. I don't want to look at him through my eyes. Because we will tend to say, that person needs to pay. Because this is what they did, and we want to have them have justice, but we want mercy. Right? Oh, what they did to us, we want justice, but man, we want mercy, right? And so um, we tend to be vindictive, and, and then it becomes extremely hard for us to then forgive that person of the injuries that they caused us. And so that very same um, master or servant who had been forgiven... The other servant that comes to him that owes him the denarii says the exact same plea. What does he say? Be patient with me. The exact same plea. I mean, it's not even a different plea. It's the exact same plea. So that should resonate in this guy's head, right? And he says, you know, have patience with me. I will pay you all of it. After he's like, be, be patient with me, right? I'll pay you all of it as he's being choked, okay? Okay, so the man who owed the smaller debt, okay, used the exact same plea as the man who received mercy from the bigger debt that he owed, right? And meanwhile, this man refused to give that servant any mercy. 
Okay? So then you go and go forward to 31 through 34 that we read, and you see the judgment then that comes down on the unforgiving servant. Not the guy who owed, but on the unforgiving servant. You see the judgment, okay? And it says, when his fellow servants saw what had been done. Okay, did you notice that in this parable, that um, that first servant's conscience was not bothering him? about his conduct. He didn't even mention it. His, his conscience was seared and just going along, just going along, right? It, he didn't even mention it. Meanwhile, his fellow guys are coming along and saying, uh, uh, look, what have, what have you done here? What have you done here? It was brought to his attention, not by his own conscience, okay, but by his fellow workers around him, all right? And, and it was bothering their conscience on his conduct. But his conduct wasn't bothering him at all, okay? And so, in other words, it was the fellow servants that recognized the wrong that was being done, right? And came to him, okay? So, um, you know, guys, sometimes painfully... I don't want to say this, Lord. Sometimes painfully, and to our embarrassment, to our embarrassment, we are blind to our own sinful, fleshly conduct. That's why we need the body of Christ, right? We need the body of Christ. We need that accountability. We need to have people say, "Hey, you know, Margo, you know, that that didn't seem so Jesus-like when you said that." Or when you shared that, or what you need that you need that to come alongside each other, okay? And and here here's the problem that happened with that second servant that was not showing mercy is he as he was acting and sinning, but there was no conviction bothering him. There was no conviction bothering him. There is the problem because he's excusing his behavior. He's excusing his behavior. Okay, and so we want to live in such a way that that we are always, always falling at Christ's feet and saying, Oh, you know, oh God, forgive me. Oh, show me mercy. Oh, let me have mercy and love and everything towards the very next person. Oh God, you know, I don't even deserve this. I don't deserve standing here right now, but you gave me breath. You gave me life. And so, and to look at others through his eyes. And when we don't have each other come alongside, ask the Lord to reveal it to us all the time. All the time. Because what happens is, He says, they said, you wicked servant, right? You wicked servant delivered him to the tortures until he should pay all that was due to him. Okay, even his buddies come along and say, hey, uh, what are you doing? And meanwhile, he still goes forward and what happens? He delivers them, what? To to the tortures until you could pay all that's due him, all right? So he has absolutely no mercy and he continues to walk that way, okay? And when the master heard of this, he was understandably angry. Right? Because of what he had already done, okay? Because it was wrong for a man who was forgiven so much not to forgive a little. It was wrong. 
And so he was understandably angry, okay, that he was unforgiven. And so he then gave the first servant what he deserved, justice instead of mercy. I don't want to get what I deserve because all of us in this room deserve justice, don't we? And we've received mercy through Jesus Christ. And he says, look, this isn't what it's going to be. And in verse 35, there's genuine forgiveness from the heart that is required of all of us who have been forgiven. All of us who have been forgiven. He says, so my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. It's from the King James Version. So my heavenly Father also will do to you. Okay, The principle is very clear here. God has forgiven such a great debt that any debt owed to us is insignificant by comparison. So how we dare not forgive one another. How we dare not forgive one another. No man can possibly offend me to the extent that my sins have offended God. No one can. No one can. And he paid for it by the blood of his son. No one can. And this principle that he's talking about in this parable needs to be applied to the little things as well as the big things, right? The little things done to us as well as the big things done to us. Because it's the godly principle that he expects us to walk by. And then he says you need to forgive from what? Our heart. That's key. That is absolutely key. All right? Jesus is teaching that, you know what? A lot of times you're forgiving by the mouth. By the mouth. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, I forgive you. Okay, right. But then you go and you share with someone else. You talk about it. You gossip about it. You say wrong things about it. You hold it in your heart. You feed it. You're still living in the bitterness of bondage instead of the freedom of forgiveness because you're dwelling on that instead of dwelling on how Christ forgave you and then you forgive each other. Okay? And and bondage starts to grow again. Okay? And you guys, there are many, many... Listen carefully. There are many sincere Christians who forgive, I should say, who I'm sorry, who do not forgive, who withhold forgiveness, okay, from others for mistaken real, uh, reasons, and they feel that they are justified in doing so. Okay, I, I am sure that every single person in this room has either done that themselves or been on the other end of that. They feel that they're justified in doing so. And here's, here's how this works. Here's how their reasoning works. Their reasoning works like this. We shouldn't forgive another person who sins against us until they have properly repented. Okay? Until they have properly repented. Okay? Because repentance is mentioned in Luke, is mentioned in many portions of the gospel. Repentance, hi Angela. Repentance absolutely is a context of our in the is in the context of our commands to forgive. Okay? And forgiveness is the beginning. Repentance means that you turn from that, right? Repentance means that you turn then and you don't do it again. 
Okay, but if you remember the start of this parable, Peter had asked, "Oh, Jesus, how many times do we need to forget?" Right? It started getting old. How many times do we got to forgive? I mean, like the same off- offense, oh, offense over, not offense, offense over and over and over again. Right? How many times do we have to forgive? And Jesus goes, "Peter, not just seven times. You know, come on. Sometimes I, it, it's way more. In other words, you forgive every time that person." does something against you. You forgive. Just as Christ forgave you. Okay? And so he says, okay, all right, we need to model our forgiveness of others based on God's forgiveness of us. And that's what he's saying to them. But many a times what happens is is we as Christians set ourselves up as the judge and the lawgiver. The judge and the lawgiver. In other words, well, I don't really know, you know, I, I forgive them, but I haven't seen any repentance in their life. I really haven't seen them turn from that. So therefore, I'll just hold on to this. Because, you know, I'm God with a little G, and I'm able to hold this. Okay? And, and what happens is, is since God does not forgive apart from our repentance... Okay? That's how we come to him in the first place, right? Since he does not forgive apart from repentance, okay? So we should not forgive each other unless they properly repent. Are you following me? Okay? This is how we set ourselves up as God, all right? And so, you know, we even at times think it's our duty, that it's our duty to withhold such forgiveness and to, and basically to judge of their repentance because it's ultimately in the best interest for them if I do that. Yow. That is absolutely self-righteous. Right? Absolutely self-righteous. Okay, this thinking, even though it means well, okay, it, you may think it means well, is, is absolutely incorrect and it's ultimately dangerous. Because what happens is, is is this parable that we just went through in Matthew, okay, shows us why it's incorrect for us to think that God doesn't forgive me without any repentance, okay? Therefore, I must withhold this forgiveness until I see their repentance. In other words, you continue to judge them until you see them turn. All right? Now, the deal is that thinking is wrong because I don't stand in the same place that God Almighty stands, do I? I am a forgiven sinner, Okay, I don't stand where God stands, okay, in the same place as the equation that he stands in. And I never can. I'm not God. He's the one who searches and knows their heart. He's the one who continues to offer who he is, okay? And God stands as one who has never had to be forgiven and will never have to be forgiven because he's God, okay? And he's never needed forgiveness because he's God. So we cannot stand in his place and put that on others. That's why he says you need to forgive from your heart. From your heart. Forgive from your heart, okay? Because I stand, praise God, as one who is forgiven. I am forgiven and I need continual forgiveness. Each of us do. We need continual forgiveness. And those who realize that, who are forgiven much, love much. Those who think they're forgiven little, the Word of God says, love little. 
and we stand in the way of God and we cast aspersions instead of forgiving with our heart. And you know, as I was studying this, I wrote, I wrote this down. I said, you know what, if I'm thinking that, I said, therefore, if it were possible, we should be far quicker to forgive than God is without precondition of repentance because we stand as forgiven sinners who also forgive. So we have an even greater obligation to forgive than God does. I have a question for you and maybe can um, pull this apart a little bit more. Forgiveness, but still allowing for natural consequences. Okay, we're getting to this. Excellent. This is the very, absolutely, we're getting to the very next. Forgiveness, but still having justice. Well, here's what happens. Absolutely. We're the ones who forgive. Okay, and then the concept, we can choose our sin, right? Kind of thing, we can't choose our consequences. It's the same thing. We forgive, but we don't choose the consequences for what's happening. Okay, in other words, let's go toward that, okay? In other words, let's thank you, because we're segueing into that. Because what happens is, since we've been forgiven so much, we have no right to withhold forgiveness uh, from anybody else, okay? We are the debtor with the incredible, infinite debt. Right? It never stops. Okay? And so we stand forgiven and continue to stand forgiven. We're forgiven now. 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 Okay? Until we see Jesus face to face. Okay? So we'll stand that way. Okay? And if anybody has the right to withhold forgiveness, it's God. Right? It's God. And He forgives more freely, more completely than we could ask, think, or imagine, okay? So, what possible right do we have to hold on to our unforgiveness? We have none. We have absolutely none. And so, when we're, you know, I, I want to broach that with the consequences as well as reconciliation. Forgiveness is one thing, reconciliation is another. Okay, it's important to understand that there's a distinction between forgiveness from the heart and reconciliation. Okay, true reconciliation can only come as a relationship. It can only happen when both parties are agreeable to it. Both parties are agreeable to it. Okay, and this may require repentance on both sides of the party. Okay, that are in conflict. Yet, forgiveness is one-sided. Okay? So, that is very freeing, ladies. Okay? You're forgiving from the heart. Okay? And you are responsible for the forgiving part, right? The parable just shared that with us. We're responsible for, for the forgiving part. Okay? But, we're not responsible for the reconciling part. Okay? Because it will take how many people? It'll take two. That's one thing, where it's forgiveness and then it's reconciliation. The other is what Barb just brought up, is that forgiveness does not necessarily mean that someone, uh, that, that it shields that person from the practical or civil consequences of their sin. Okay? When I was, my goodness, what year was this? 1980-something. Marilyn, you were around. We were in Sherwood and I was robbed. My home was robbed, my condo, 85. And, I mean... 
did I forgive the people who came in? Absolutely. Right? You forgive and say, Lord, okay, thank you for protecting me. Thank you this. Thank you that. Thank you that I was able to, to walk out. Um, they were able to run out the front door and I was, I was saved. Thank you, Jesus. Right? And I forgive them. However, when they were caught, they had what? Natural consequences. Okay, I have forgiven them from the heart, Okay, but it's still appropriate for a robber to be arrested and put in jail because he has done wrong stuff. Okay, so he's done the wrong stuff. Okay, so on a personal level, forgiveness was required. Okay, forgiveness was required of me. Okay, on a civil level, on a societal level, okay, uh, a man should be punished by whatever the laws of the land are. Okay, and so so that is separate. That is separate. Okay, your forgiveness is personal, but there are consequences to their actions. To their actions. All right. So does that does that answer? Okay. So the principle stands um, that in context, this parable was given to us to make us more forgiving, not less forgiving. Okay, it was to bring up to say, you know what, no matter what it is, it was an answer to what Peter had asked, how many times are you supposed to? And he goes into a wonderful earthly story with a heavenly message. And this is how many times you forgive. And this is how you walk through it. And this is mercy. And this is who I am. And you are a forgiven sinner. How dare you not forgive the next one? And by the way, if you don't, your prayers are hindered. Your prayers are hindered because you're not standing rightly. You standing rightly because you're in Christ still, but you've put some big clods in the way. You've put some big muck in the way. You put some big old rock boulders in the way. And so, and so he says, look, you need to be more, more forgiving, okay? In Luke 6, verse 36, he says, Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Be merciful, just as your Father is also merciful. And, and when he says, from his heart... It makes this command. By the way, it's a command. This isn't if you want to. Okay, forgiveness doesn't come from your feelings, guys. Right? But I really feel like I should forgive this person who just took everything in my apartment. Oh, I feel like, oh yeah, he probably needed it more than I did. Oh yeah. You guys, if you're basing it on your feelings, you're never going to forgive. That's where the judgment comes in. Right? That's where you want them to pay. That's where the revenge comes in. Forgiveness is based on your faith. Is based on, this is a command. This is what Jesus Christ tells me to do. I'm a follower of him. You know what? That's what I'm going to do. And then guess what will happen? The feelings will follow afterwards. You walk over the line by your faith. You forgive them. And guess what happens? The compassion of Christ and the feelings come afterwards. You're always obedient first. Always obedient first. Always obedient first. And the feelings follow afterwards. Always. Then it's the compassion of Christ that you have. Okay, so so he says, from his heart. Okay, because if we forgive in words only and not from our hearts, guess what? We stay under that same condemnation that the servants were under, that didn't forgive. We stay under that same condemnation. Because you know what? You become who you what? Focus on. You become who you focus on. And if you start focusing on the person who hasn't, you know, lived up to how they should and did this to you and hasn't, you haven't forgiven them, you become like that person. 
if you focus on Jesus and how he says, this is how to walk, now walk ye in it, guess what? You become like Jesus, and people go, what is it about you? What is it about you? How could you forgive that guy? Well, you know what? I'm just as big a creep as that guy is, but just in other areas. How can I not forgive him? Jesus forgave me. Right? Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has but that crimson stain, and he washed it white as snow. And so nothing stands in the way of your prayer with him. Nothing stands in the way. He says, from his heart, so my heavenly Father also will do to you. Wow. Forgiveness is evidence of truly being forgiven, right? Forgiveness is evidence of truly being forgiven. And the habitual unforgiveness may show that a person's heart has really never been touched by the love of Jesus. Right? Because you can't help to forgive when you know how much he loves you and how much he forgave you. You can't help but pass it on to the next person. I mean, you'll run to him. I mean, you know, and trust me, just like Peter, does it get old sometimes? Yeah. You know, especially bringing up your kids, especially this, right? And it's the same old, same old. They trip over and this, this kind of thing. And, oh, mom, please forgive me. And you just want to go, for the 80 millionth time, right? Right? And Jesus goes, oh, Margo, that's you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all about walking in the fact that he has forgiven us, so how can we not? forgive one another. And so he shows us that this will absolutely stand in the way. It will stand in the way if you are continually harboring in your heart bitterness. It will stand in the way of your pure unadulterated conversation with him. Because you haven't forgiven that person. And then you wonder why don't I feel close to God anymore? What is the deal? I'm not feeling so close to him anymore. Right? He says, oh no, I'm right here. You know, let's start over again. Let's, let's forgive, okay? Those who will not forgive cannot expect to be forgiven. Okay, James 2 verse 13 says, Judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. <laughs> James 2 13. Judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Wow. And lastly, when he says he delivered him to the torturers, okay, the punishment of the unforgiving man in this parable of Jesus, okay, the master delivered him to the torturers. There are many of us poor souls, let me tell you, who are tortured by our own unforgiveness towards others. That'll torture you. That will torture you. So how are you doing? How are you doing in that area? Okay? How are you doing? Are you walking in the freedom of that forgiveness? Clearly for us. Forgiven. Walking. Or are you walking in the bondage of that bitterness? Right? It's a choice. It's a choice that we have every moment of the day. It's an absolute choice. And so uh, when he talks about the spirit of unforgiveness towards others, when we refuse to forgive, this is a hindrance to effective prayer, okay? And he showed it beautifully illustrated in the principle of the unforgiving servant that we just read in Matthew 18. You know, I have read that story 
I don't know, many, 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 many times. And every time, God brings something out that's even um, deeper than I would have ever thought with that. You know how you read parables sometimes? You go, oh yeah, that's a nice parable. Oh, that's great. That's great. You know all that? That's great, Jesus, for somebody else. You know, oh, I'm glad you talked to the disciples on that one. Yeah, they really needed that. But I mean, come on, Peter, right? And meanwhile, God just takes it and hones it into me. It's like, Margo, you know, that... That's why, you know, in my past life, before I knew Christ, and before I was walking with Christ, it's like, Lord, bring all those people to me that I can either ask forgiveness of or need to personally forgive them face-to-face. Because it gives you that restart, that start over. It gives you a chance to say, you know, wow, you aren't who you used to be. Praise God. No, I'm not. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Another thing, Marla, it'll destroy your joy. Oh, absolutely. your walk, you know. Oh, Absolutely. You couldn't forgive somebody, and she's still like that. That's been five years. Well, yeah, and then what happens? You've got stress, Mm -hmm. you've got illness, you've got mental kind of situations, Mm -hmm. you've got ulcers, you've got, I mean, the the Word of God tells you that. Hun, God trusted you with that sweet little bug, and he's still a sweet little bug at 29, and look look what he's brought him to this point. And, And when that comes up to you about... You lived in it. Look at that. That's from the accuser, sweet bug. That's not from Jesus. Jesus does. Jesus goes, yeah, that way. Oh, cheerleading. Look, do you see? Here he is. Look, that's that's my child. That's what you've done. Nice job. You kept on keeping that. You're not perfect. I don't expect to be perfect, but I am, and that's who I am. And you kept calling out to me, and look at this. And then the accuser comes and says, oh, but you know what? Look what you did. Look at this. Look at that. Look at this. That is from the accuser. And you know what? In the name of Jesus Christ, he has no power. You shut his mouth. Because that's not true. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord, that you came out of that. There's forgiveness, and you walk as a new creation in Christ. So we'll pray that that you walk through that. Absolutely, that is from the accuser. Amen. He never, because he, you know why? He forgives and he forgets. And the problem with human beings is we can't what? We don't have the ability to forget. Okay, unless, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe your keys, okay, maybe your keys, but if, maybe, yeah, but, but we don't have the, we don't have the ability to forget the forgiven sin, okay, the pain of that, okay, and, and at times I have said to the Lord, oh God, please, remember back in, oh God, please forgive me, and he's like, what sin? What sin? Exactly. What are you talking about? You don't live in that. You live in the freedom. You're the overcomer. You know why? Because I've overcome the world. I want you to live abundant life. You know why? Because it's in me. Don't go back there. Don't go back there. It's gone. It's absolutely gone. And you know, guys, I just love this. You know, my husband's like Mr. Engineer. You know, he thinks this way, but I'm so glad he does because, you know, I said, Brian, you know, east is from the west. I mean, we are like parallel opposites. Right, Mary? I mean, we are parallel opposites. And I am telling you that I'm like, east is from the west. It's, I mean, why didn't he say north to south? You know, and he goes, because honey, when you're going south, eventually you're going to end up going north. So it's not forever. East to west is forever. It will never, ever, 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 ever. I'm like, Brian, you rock. 
<laughs> you're absolutely right. That is so, I mean, think, I mean, you always say as far as east is from the west, right? And you go, oh yeah, I mean, and you know it's far. But you don't realize it's forever because east to west is always this, okay? It, but north to south, you know, pretty soon it's coming up and, and you're like, oh, you're kidding me. Lord, that is so, I mean, you're telling the Lord that's so deep, you know, in the Bible. Wow, you really wrote really well, Lord. <laughs> What am I saying, right? Oh yeah, that's right, the Holy Spirit, right? And so, so I, I mean, I am just, yeah, you know, that is, that is what he, that's who he is. He can't do anything else but. And I am so thankful. That's why those who are forgiven much, love much. Because they realize how much they're forgiven, right? And, and, and that's, that's why we don't want to walk in that unforgiveness because it hinders our relationship, our conversation, our sweetness, our, you know, our being with them, our, our time with them, our, our just openness with them, our honesty with them. Because you guys, you can't be honest with them if you're harboring un, unforgiveness towards someone. You can't be. Right? And so, and so he says, okay, that's it. This is how you walk. And he shares, and he shares the um, parable. I mean, he shared way more than that, but that parable of that, where we have received mercy. We have received mercy because he's the merciful one. Oh. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes. said this in one of his sermons. I'll, I'll never forget. He said, uh, bitterness and unforgiveness is like drinking the poison and hooking the other person. That's right. Absolutely. Yep, you're drinking the bottle of poison, you hope the other person dies. Absolutely. That's absolutely that's excellent. That's great. Honey, it's usually the peas in your shoes that are going to trip you up. It, it is. It's usually the little tiny pea in the shoe. Remember the mattress and the the princess in the mattress, or whatever her name was, right? And she was up like she was up what forty mattresses, and she couldn't sleep. It was a little tiny pee at the very bottom. That's what happens to us because you know why? She focused on it. Right. You focus on it, and it becomes monstrous in your life. It becomes monstrous in your life.